The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This episode was brought to you by Thrive Market, our favorite one-stop shop for all things grocery, household supplies, pet food, beauty, supplements. They've got it all, and even wine now. Wine. Thrive Wine. Guys, to try Thrive, go to thrivemarket.com slash skinny to find a membership that fits your lifestyle. Again, that's thrivemarket.com slash skinny to find a membership that fits your lifestyle. Everything is 25 to 50% below retail, straight to your door, thrivemarket.com slash skinny she's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire fantastic and he's a serial entrepreneur a very smart cookie and now lauren everts and michael bostick are bringing you along for the ride get ready for some major realness welcome to the skinny confidential him and her because that's where people get into trouble either you just tell kids what to do behaviorally but you don't share with them feelings and like honor their feelings or let them know that you love them no matter what or you tell them all the time I love you no matter what everything is about your feelings and I don't like you to be uncomfortable so I will never set a boundary oh hello guys hey what's up fancy seeing you here welcome back to the skinny confidential him and her show that clip was from our guest of the show today dr Eliza pressman she is the podcast host of this major podcast called raising good humans podcast she just had jennifer garner on her podcast which is such a good episode so definitely listen and she's also part of dear media she is a psychologist and co-founder of the Seedlings Group as well. She's smart and she knows her shit when it comes to raising good humans. Today on The Skinny Confidential, him and her podcast, we go sort of everywhere. We talk about how to deal with tantrums when you're on the plane. I'm sure a lot of you have been there. How to deal with tantrums in general, how to deal with postpartum. We get into it, okay? So if you are looking to get pregnant or you have kids, this episode is for you. And as I say in every single podcast where we discuss kids, we have 300 episodes. There is so much content on this podcast. So if this episode doesn't speak to you because you don't want to have kids or you don't know if you want to have kids or you don't have kids, there is so many other options. We have everything from entrepreneurship to comedy to fashion, lifestyle, influencers, so many other options. But if you are a parent or you're looking to become a parent, this episode is for you. I think you're really, really going to love her. Like I said, we go everywhere. After this episode, make sure you listen to our episode because we did a swap on her podcast. Raising Good Humans, check it out. She is legit. With that, let's welcome Dr. Eliza Pressman to the show. This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her. So we just had a baby. So this podcast is going to be very, very relevant. And I know that there's a lot of listeners that have kids as well. So we're excited for this one. Let's just start it off with some really blanket macro advice. If you could whittle down one tip for parents could be broad, could be micro, whatever it is. New parents, I think, New specifically. Parents. What would it be? Basically, if you think about parenting, you have two responsibilities. You have to nurture the emotional experience of your child and also help them become, you know, functioning citizens of the world so they they don't just do whatever they want at all times. And so the way to do that is to think every feeling they have is totally acceptable. If they're upset about something, if they're excited about something, if they're feeling 
whatever they're feeling, we tend to want to tell people what the right feeling is. Like if let's say, no, you love your friend, go give your friend a hug. That would be telling someone how they feel when they're feeling mad about it. But the behaviors that you have to contain are not all okay. So if you can always say to your kid, like, I'm going to love you no matter what you're feeling, you can, you always get to feel whatever feelings you have. You remove that sense of shame that many human beings have when they feel anything that isn't like right, quote unquote. But then you still are a disciplinarian. Like you still give them boundaries and say, here's the thing. You can hate me right now, but you can't kick me in the face, right? Those are very, that's an extreme version of all feelings are welcome, all behaviors are not. And in baby world, it might be you're so sad you don't want to say goodnight. And also you have to sleep, right? The behavior is getting your kid to sleep through the night. The feeling is in that moment when your baby is separating from you, they're feeling so sad. So if you just think as a big picture parenting thing, I'm always going to comment on sort of honor, label, name what my child is feeling, and then I'm still going to have the boundary that I chose, the the expectation or the limit that I set because it's important for them as a member of this household or as a member of this community or the larger world, you kind of are set in your relationship because that's where people get into trouble. Either you just tell kids what to do behaviorally, but you don't share with them feelings and like honor their feelings or let them know that you love them no matter what. Or you tell them all the time, I love you no matter what, everything is about your feelings and I don't like you to be uncomfortable, so I will never set a boundary. So those are the two extremes on either side. And the middle, the sort of golden middle to me is feelings are all okay and the behaviors are not all okay. And that's what we're going to work on. That is interesting because I feel like I'm the parent that's going to honor Zaza's feelings and I feel like you're the parent that's (laughs) going to create the boundary. Let's, oh God, I hope we don't get into like a relationship. You know we are. Therapy. No. We, we went into this the other day. And we got, I got into like a full therapy session. <laughs> no, I, I love like a manipulation therapy session. Well, like I want to ask sabotage. you before we go too much further. I, I'm obviously aware of your background because we, we have the show together and everything. But for those of our listeners that are not aware of your background, like it's a child developmental psychologist. How mm-hmm. did you get into that field of, of work? Because that's a very, it's a very interesting niche. I was really interested in psychology because I just thought, oh my God, people are so fascinating. And I didn't have kids or anything. So basically the short-ish story is I was doing volunteer work with kids. I thought, oh, I want to work with kids, but I also really think psychology is interesting. So I took some intro courses that were a prerequisite to applying to graduate school. And I took the four kind of branches of psychology. There's abnormal psychology and counseling psychology and blah, blah, blah. And I took developmental psychology, which is basically the emotional, social, and intellectual growth of a human being. But there's a real focus on kids. And I was just, it was like, I fell in love. I was just so blown away by how our brains develop. I just thought, this is bananas. Like, the coolest things happen. And there's stuff that we can do to help support healthy growth. And that was just what I fell into. I mean, I just fell in love with it. And then I had kids. And I thought, there's a lot of information that would have been really helpful for other parents that I learned from my my studies. And so I kind of put that together. Is there a specific age range that you work within that you're like, this is the time where like most of the development takes place? The first three years are certainly epically important. A ton of growth happens, but there's also continued growth throughout 
you know, through adolescence, really. So the brain's developing until between 18 and 27 years. I tend to let go after adolescence. Okay. Is it? Ever, I don't care about adults. Is it ever too late? Like I have a couple of friends that have kids that maybe have kicked them in the face, mm-hmm. or punched mm-hmm. them, or hit them, or screamed in their like done done yeah. some things that, you know, it's intense. And is it ever too late to sort of, I don't want to say help, but to guide the kid in a different direction? It's never too late. I mean, that's the thing. That's why I hesitate when I say the first three years are critical because you hear that all the time from experts, and then it makes you think like, well. Too late. Too late. But the truth is relationships are dynamic and it's never too late. That's good to know. I feel like a lot of parents sometimes with social media, the other day someone was shaming me because, (laughs) I don't know if shaming is the right word, because there was a blue line on my baby's diaper, which means she peed the diaper and it was like in an Instagram story. Yeah. And I feel like with parenting comes a lot of guilt and shame. It sort of comes with it. So to hear that it's never too late is important, I think. Also, what was the shaming about? Were they like, you should change your baby's diaper? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's wild. I could, I could That's tell. definitely not part of healthy growth. And de- I mean, obviously don't <laughs> neglect a baby, but a little pee is fine. That's She's going to be okay. It was yeah. a speck of pee. Yeah. I think we'll live. But we, have I just, a, we have an alarm in our house that as soon as she pees, we go and all that. Everyone <laughs> runs out of every room. And, and, and it keeps everybody super calm, right? <laughs> do you see a lot of mom shaming and mom guilt in your industry? I do. And, and it's a... It's a liability for me, too. When I first started in my private practice with parents, I would walk down the street. I'm from New York, and I would see clients, and they'd apologize to me with whatever was going on. Like, I'm so sorry I don't usually give my baby a pacifier in the middle of the day, but dot, dot, dot. Or I'm so sorry she's napping in her bassinet. And I was like, what have I done to make you think that I'm judging your parenting? I just want to be there for guidance and support and whatever feels good. Nobody's a good parent when they feel ashamed. Nobody's a good person when they feel ashamed. That's when we have our crappiest, excuse my language, but like our, no, our worst selves. Any language on here, anything oh. you want to use. Thanks. What I was going to say though, too, is that I do give Zaza a pacifier in the middle of the day and she does sleep in her bassinet. Is that bad? <laughs> Not at all. I mean, I think that the pacifier just shouldn't be. It's a great thing. Sucking on a pacifier is soothing. So babies need to suck. It's only if it's plugging a baby who's trying to talk or make sounds. That's good to know. So when she starts to really want to be super verbal and I just put a pacifier in to shut her up. Yeah, pull that back out. Okay, I'm going to pull it out and put it in Michael's mouth when he starts talking to me because that's actually a really (laughs) great idea, like a good hack for your husband when he doesn't shut up. Is give him the pacifier and let the baby talk. Hold up, we are going to take a quick little break to tell you about the vitamins that you should be taking. Ritual. I am such a fan of Ritual, I cannot shut the F up about it, okay? I took them before my pregnancy, I took them during my pregnancy, the prenatals, then I took the prenatals a few months after I gave birth, and now I am back to the essential for women. So here's the deal. I had my blood tested, which I recommend everyone do because then you can sort of get a gauge on what you need and saw that I was low on vitamin D. So Ritual is specifically good for that. It has vitamin D. It also has omega-3 DHA. 
It is amazing. And if you're an obsessive label reader, like most of us are in 2020, just so you know, Ritual uses vegan certified, non-GMO, gluten-free, allergen-free ingredients. Um, I have been a practitioner of this vitamin because I've ingested it every single day. I cannot say enough good things. They have this delayed release no nausea capsule. So it's really gentle on your stomach and doesn't give you those weird vitamin burps. Um, I take it in the morning. It's next to my tongue cleaner. I just pop two in my mouth and I go. I always recommend that everyone goes and does their own research. So definitely check out their site and everything is laid out seamlessly for you. You can read all the science behind Ritual and get all the deets. Daily changes can lead to big results. So start small today. Ritual is offering all Skinny Confidential, him and her listeners, 10% off your first three months. Try it out. Satisfaction guaranteed. Go to ritual.com slash skinny to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com slash skinny. Try it out. Let me know what you guys think. Shoot me a DM. I love to hear your feedback. All right, let's get back to the show. When you talk to people or and it doesn't just have to be on your podcast or when you interview people or just talk to people that are in your industry, what's something that you see has been really successful for parents? I think letting go of a lot of the mom guilt and the mom shame or the dad guilt and the dad shame, although there's less for, for dads typically. <laughs> it's just we know less. We don't know what we're doing. Yeah. I think there there is something about feeling like you, you know. We take a backseat. We're like, okay. Accepting that backseat. Yeah. And sometimes when I think parents are most successful, it's when they take a deep breath and they're like, this is a marathon, not a race. I'm going to blow it sometimes, but I'm going to keep going. And other people are not my problem. I just have to raise this person and have my family. And then like removing the spotlight from what others are perceiving to your relationship with your kid. You know who you remind me of like parenting style? Do you read Glennon Doyle? I do. I love Glennon Doyle. She's, she seems like the same type of mantra. You acknowledge the feelings, but you also set the boundaries. It's very similar yeah. parenting yeah. from what I've seen from her. She seems wonderful. Yeah. She's like, so I take that as a compliment. It's a total compliment. What are the main issues? Like when someone comes to work with you and they're, they're, maybe they're struggling or they just want to know more about their child. Like what are the main issues that they're coming to you with or the main focuses of the work that they want to do? Like where, where do you typically step in the most to help them? In the beginning, it's usually a sleep issue. Okay. And then after about a year all the way until adolescence, it's usually something related to discipline. You know, then there's other stuff that gets thrown in friendships and social media and all that stuff. But really, it all goes back to discipline. And is it parenting? They have trouble disciplining their child or they're doing too much? Like what? Sometimes it's just sometimes it's as simple as I just want, you know, some guidance to to sort of have a check in. And sometimes there's a real issue like there's acting out that's going on or there's difficulty in the relationship. But many times I work with parents and they're just like, I just want to be prepared so I just want to be armed with information and then I can make the decisions on my own, which is my goal, is that it's not like, come, let's talk only when there's a problem. It's more like, let's just get to know this process of being a parent and what feels good for you. And I hope to give the research with the understanding that it's never going to be one size fits all because everybody's going to have a different vibe and a different style. 
What are some tools or strategies that you have in your toolbox that you use that someone could maybe apply at home to get the parent on the right track? As silly as it sounds, taking a deep breath before you do anything (laughs) in your parenting and probably in life. but Or talking to your wife, you take a deep breath. Yes. A lot of this stuff translates in relationships (laughs) with anybody. I need a a ventilator. Take some some (laughs) breaths forces you to respond, to find that tiny little pause between reacting and responding. And that's where magic happens in parenting because you don't just go from your, I call it a lizard brain. I'm not the only one who calls it that, but just that, you know, gut reaction and you actually take a breath and then your body tells your brain, you're not being chased by anything. This is not an emergency. Let's make a reasonable decision right now. And that's when you make good choices. And it takes a split second, or maybe it takes four breaths, but you do it. And then, you know, if your child is having a tantrum, you don't start freaking out because you're able to take a breath and go, okay, what's this about? What do I need? What do I need out of this moment right now? What does my child need out of this moment? And if you don't do that, you're just like chasing a kid and getting yourself all excited and then they get more excited and it just ends up upsetting you. Let me give you a four instance of like what we're kind of like our style yeah. here of what we're doing because we're new parents and we've never done it before. But both Lauren and I, when we had when we had the child, we really took the attitude like, okay, obviously we want to be great parents and we want to raise this great human. But we we have the attitude where like the child is kind of coming into our world and we're not stopping everything and making everything about the child. That's not that we don't love the child and you know want to take care of it, but it was not like, okay, we didn't stop everything and quit everything we were doing and stop having a relationship with each other and stopping with each other. It was really like, how do we integrate this child into the life that we've already built? How do you feel about that strategy? And I can I can give you more examples as we get into it. But like from a high level, that's really how we looked at it. And I, I think so many parents, and I don't know what's right or wrong, when the new child comes in and it's all about the kid. Mm-hmm. And I get that because you love this thing more than, than anything. But we were really like kind of conscious and proactive about making sure that this child kind of adapted to our life. I don't know if that's right or wrong. I don't think it's about right or wrong. I think it's about what's going to make you both the most comfortable parents, the most confident parents. And so you're going to be better parents and more present if you are still doing the things that keep you fed as human beings. So for you, it may be setting, you know, like making sure that you guys have date nights and making sure that you honor all of the things that keep you healthy. And for other people, that doesn't make them feel good. And so It's not right or wrong. It's definitely you absolutely put your oxygen mask on first. And for you guys, that's what that means. Yeah, like a four instances when right when she was born, we, you know, we before kind of before COVID, she was born in January, we'd go out to lunch. Like the baby came to lunch and she's now used to doing that with us. And so it's not a big issue. But what, you know, we've had friends that have children our same age. It's like, how are you bringing her to lunch? It's like, well, from the beginning, we just like, she didn't really have a choice. She's just there. Mm -hmm. And but now we've also had the the camp like, oh, well, maybe she doesn't want to be there with you. I'm just like, we're we're balancing this whole thing of like, what's right, what's wrong, like what's proper, what's not. I mean, you also have to let her like a little bit watch her. So I know for me, when I had my, both my kids, this happened where I really cared very much about my own sleep. So I cared very much about their sleep. And I found that when I made exceptions for sleep, it backfired because they would get up earlier, let's say, or and then I would be miserable. So I didn't, let's say, take them to lunch, even though that's not an example that because I did. But I didn't do the thing that maybe was more fun for me in the moment because I was actually thinking about myself and how they res- how I would want them to respond. 
So it wasn't that I was selflessly saying, well, no, my kids have to be in bed at this time. It was, or they'll get up at five o'clock in the morning and I'm not up for that. So it's not, again, it's not really right or wrong. It's just when you're watching your baby, like if you had the kind of baby that can't go to lunch with you because she'd be crying the whole time, Mm -hmm. you would not want to go to lunch with your baby. Sure, sure. I also, for me, like, and I don't know, and I don't really care what anyone else thinks. I mean, I would love to hear your opinion, but I, like as far nah. as like outside noise, I, yeah, don't, of course. I don't care. For me to be a healthy human, I want to be able to bring the baby to lunch. Like that's something that makes me happy for her to be able to be adaptable and independent and, and sit there and hang out with herself. Like independence is such a thing that I want to teach her. So if we're at lunch, I want her to be able to sit there. So I I do think it's like playing off what you said. You have to figure out what makes you happy and yeah. sort of adapt the baby to that. One thing that we've experienced that, I mean, again, this is just because we were ignorant and didn't know, and it was hard in the beginning, is the baby has never slept in our room. Like we, from the beginning, she slept in her crib. And so now she actually, like if we try to get her to stay in she the room. She doesn't want to. No, she doesn't want to. She wants to go to bed. It's yeah. wants to go to bed at seven. She's very anal about it. And she wants to get up at <laughs> 6.30. Sounds familiar. <laughs> but, She's um, anal like you. <laughs> I think we we thought, okay, we're going to miss these early moments of being able to cuddle with the baby in the bed early on. But now we have the benefit of like she sleeps yeah, all night and in her benefit. bed. And so- but from a developmental standpoint, like how does that affect the child if they're not with us that early? Or is it good? Is it bad? I mean, sleep is one of the most important things for their development. So, like, if you have a baby who's sleeping and only cuddling with you when they're awake, when they should be awake, that kind of works for everybody. Okay. I want to do another, for instance, since Michael gave one. So, say you have a toddler and they're throwing a huge tantrum in the middle of a restaurant because mm-hmm. they can't have any more ice cream. Mm-hmm. They already had cake earlier in the day and it's it's over. The ice cream thing's over and you said no. Mm-hmm. How do you finesse that and handle that when there's all these people looking at you? Is there like a step-by-step way to handle it or should you just go with it each time? It goes back to the feelings thing. Like they're feeling really mad, angry, dysregulated because they want that ice cream and can't have it. And that's okay. They can be mad as hell, but you're still not giving them the ice cream. Now, when you add this public part of it, because if you were in private, you would be able to validate that feeling and say, you're so mad you want that ice cream so badly. And then you just wait for them to finish crying, be present, but not give them the ice cream. However, in public, you have to decide, you know, how much you care about what other people are thinking. I personally feel like it's everybody has either been a toddler or has had a toddler or both. So if they can't handle an upset toddler because they, you know, they're, and it happens. People will be like, I'll help, you know, do you need help? And you're just like, no, it's just, they're upset about a boundary that I'm setting. And this is what's going to happen. I think if you can fight the urge to fix it in a different way, because people are watching, then just do what you would do behind closed doors. If you feel like, oh man, this is rude to other people, you got to swoop up your baby and take them out of that setting and just say, you know what, that's really hard to be there and not have the ice cream. So we're just going to go take a little walk around the block. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like, I think once you have children and you've experienced those tantrums, you're much more empathetic to other parents. Mm-hmm. Like before, before you ever have children, you're like, like oh, I will never do that. You're like, what's, <laughs> what's this kid, this bratty kid. But yeah. then you see, you're like, oh my, you empathize with the parent mm-hmm. because they, like, especially on planes and stuff now, but you know, it's hard when you have maybe people that don't empathize and they're sitting there looking at you with daggers Yeah, and you know, you want to be a, you want to be a good human and like a socially, I don't want to say acceptable, but um, no, someone, but being thoughtful sort yeah, of, of the people who came people. out to lunch and who didn't 
don't want to like ruin their wanna, experience. That's something yeah. that I, I think about a lot. It's like I don't want to ruin. Like if someone's gone to a nice place or a flight, and I don't want to ruin their experience yeah. because I'm being selfish. At the same time, like you have this child, and you gotta you gotta take care of the kid. Hey, hey, hey. Have you tried Thrive Market? Here's the deal. It's 2020. We want everything delivered to our door now. And that includes our groceries. I am specifically a fan of Thrive Market because they sort of do all the work for me. They pick out the organic, non-GMO, all the good stuff. They have it on their site. So I know when I'm shopping, I'm not buying shit. I'm buying stuff that has been vetted. Thrive Market makes my life so much easier when I can just order it to my door. I open my door. It's all there. It's ready to go. You guys know I get my raw almond butter with my dates, my chocolate on there. I do a date with raw almond butter. I freeze it. I put the chocolate on top. Thrive has tons of options. You can go on there. You can get your apple cider vinegar. They have all the good kinds of candy, like the organic ones that Kourtney Kardashian always talks about. You should also know that they have 70 plus diets. So they have things broken up for you. So if you're keto, paleo, gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO, BPA-free, you get it. It's like everything. I am on a gluten-free kick right now. I feel like it's been helping so much with the inflammation in my body, post-birth. So it's super easy for me to go on there and just get all my gluten-free favorites, like I said, delivered to my door. So what you're going to do is you're going to go to thrivemarket.com skinny and give Thrive Market a try. You can choose the membership model that best fits your lifestyle. They have one month and 12 month membership options. You get to choose a free gift up to $22 value when you join today. For me, I personally went with the 12 month membership because it comes down to like $5 per month. And FYI, if you're not sure if Thrive Market is the right fit for you, you can easily give it a try for a shorter period of time. Just remember, Thrive Market membership is risk-free, so you can take the first 30 days to determine if Thrive Market is right for you. If not, just cancel within 30 days and get a full refund. Like I said, I order groceries every month, so I like the 12-month membership. I know you guys are going to be obsessed with Thrive Market. With that, let's get back to the show. That's where I think you t- take them out of that setting and just go for a walk with them. And some people would say, but then you're giving attention to the tantrum. But the truth is, the only thing that could go wrong is if you're like, here's the ice cream, I can't do this. And that's going to make you happy because that message is like... Well, let's talk about that. Don't stay in that vein because that's, I think, what a lot of parents do. They get flustered and the kid's crying and they're in a tantrum. They're like, oh my God, what's going to... Mm-hmm. How are you going to stop? Just give them the ice cream. But what does right. that do to their development? Well, I mean, once in a while, nothing doesn't, you know, everything's fine. But over the long term, it sets them, it sets, sends the message, you're going to give them whatever they need if, if they, they dysregulate and flip out versus, okay, if that happens to you, we're still going to keep our boundaries because we made them with thought and care, but we'll be there for you. We're going to take a walk and you're not going to be left alone to be upset. I mean, the research suggests that the kid whose parents keep the boundary but support their feelings is probably going to do a little bit better. But I think just on a human level, you it's intuitive when you really think about it. And the times you get stuck where you're just like, fine, I'm just going to give you the ice cream, are if you, the adult, just either feel guilty about how other people will perceive you or you just can't handle seeing your kid upset and it just feels so hard that you just want to fix it. Planes. Everyone wants to know about planes. Yeah. Oh. What do you do besides giving them a mini bottle of whiskey? Yeah. I mean, 
I feel like planes, <laughs> unlike restaurants, are so rare that you can kind of get away with a little bit more, you know, don't set the boundary that there's only going to be one ice cream. <laughs> just set the, like... Just get do whatever you can just, to get through the flight. Yeah, like, don't set yourself up to have to say no because you're going to end up having to say yes because of the flight. I'm just going to take a Xanax pass out and let you deal with it. <laughs> I just, you know, I think you just let planes be a time for screens and a time for treats and a time for stickers and a time for whatever the hell keeps you and the people in that small contained space from going crazy and understanding that and pacifiers and understanding that sometimes there's nothing you can do and it's just going to be one of those moments where you just want to crawl under the seat. I have a pacifier in every single purse, every yeah. single car, every single pocket. Um, I have a question that I, I don't know if you get asked a lot. How do you deal with children and death? And I mean death of an animal, death mm -hmm. of a grandparent, death of a friend. What's the right way to deal with it? That was a that's a heavy question. I don't feel like it's talked about enough. It's not talked about enough. Yeah. And in fact, um, I was just recently told about someone who didn't want to say that a pet died, and they said that the pet went away and to a, a farm. Lie. And it's a straight up lie. So two things. One, it's it goes back to like coming to terms with allowing all sorts of feelings to happen for your kid and not thinking like a sad feeling is so horrible. You start with toddlers where you look at like flowers and the life cycle. They do it in preschool, like the life cycle of a frog or a butterfly. And so they kind of learn in those cases, like you, the flower dies, it falls off the, let's say it falls off the tree and you see that it died and its body stopped growing. And then that's the same thing with human beings or a pet is that, you know, grandpa got very, very old and his body stopped working and now he's not coming back anymore. And then you decide what your religious beliefs are, your spiritual beliefs, if you want to give some some more of a story. But not acknowledging that death happened is really, really setting kids up to be extremely anxious about death. Because they think like something could just go away just out of nowhere. Just disappear out of nowhere with yeah. no explanation. It's so it's so off-putting. So I think being very straightforward, but in a developmentally appropriate way. So depending on their age, using language that they understand, you know, it's really hard when it's certainly a, a, a peer that's harder than explaining someone older. A pet is easier to explain, but it's so important to be honest about it so that they can handle those moments and know that you're there. And you don't even have to say, you don't, you know, don't be sad because he's watching over us or whatever. It's, yeah, it is really sad, but we're going to, you know, then we'll get through it. Let me ask you maybe another kind of heavy question. It's something I think about a lot as I've gotten older. You know, I, like you don't really realize this until I think, I think you, until you get into your thirties as you're still kind of growing, you're not really reflecting going back. But as I've gotten older, I start to think like, hmm, like I really am. There's a lot of me that's a, very much so a product of my environment. And I start like, why am I anxious? Or like, mm -hmm. why do I get depressed about certain things? Or like, why do I get angry about it? like what, whatever it is? And I start to think back, oh, like that happened when I was this age or that happened, like my parents were this way. No fault or no blame. But I, I really am starting to think about like why I am the way I am. Are there any traits or things that you look at, not to scare parents, where you can look at a child and be like, okay, if we don't correct this or help with this, that this is going to manifest itself in this way later in life. Like maybe this person is going to be a very anxious person, or this person is going to be a very fearful person yeah. or things like that, that you think about, you know, as a child's developing. Because 
I think what I've realized is like, holy shit, like a lot of these behaviors that manifested as a kid have really affected me as an adult, good or bad. And I, and I think about it now as I have my own child. Wait, hold up. I am going to tell you about ancestry health. Okay, so here's the deal. Now, as a parent, I can totally empathize with other parents because I feel like worrying is the job description. So when I was approached by Ancestry Health, I was like, okay, we can cross a few things off of our list because what they do is Ancestry Health helps you understand your family's inherited health risks so you know what needs your attention most. And to get really micro with you, Ancestry Health is better at determining if you're at lower risk for some commonly inherited conditions like breast cancer, colon cancer, heart disease. I just feel like it's one thing that you can cross off your list that you don't have to worry about. So what you do is you get your kit in the mail, you spit in it, you send it back and then it takes like six to eight weeks to process. I just feel like this helps you understand what health risks could be passed down from one generation to the next. Two things you should know. It's offered to you at a very affordable price, which we love. And then they also work with PWN Health. That's an independent network of board certified physicians and genetic counselors who can help you understand your results. So they like will walk you through it. Um, I just feel this is so fitting because a lot of women listen to this podcast. One in eight women develop breast cancer in their lifetime and about five to 10% of them have inherited genetic risk. So Ancestry Health can detect up to 80% of DNA differences linked to the most common form of inherited breast cancer. This is major guys. This is so, so, so avant-garde. I'm all about it. Okay. So here's the deal. Find out what your DNA says about genetic risk with Ancestry Health. Head to our URL at Ancestry.com slash skinny to get your Ancestry Health kit today. That's Ancestry.com slash skinny. Okay, back to the show. And I'll give you just a micro example because this will oh be God. fun. Oh, God. Um, his, his parents, they are very loud. So like the TV is up on 600, the doors are like slamming every second, the, the blender, the, this, it, but my parents were complete opposite. They were like very much music and aromatherapy and like, um, incense and my parents did other things which we can get into well, too, but it's just different and so it's interesting the when way we it come together to give you an example is like when i wake up in the morning my eyes are i'm up like i'm, I'm go yeah. and like i when i think about it as a child like when i my parents were going i was like wake up time for school get up go <laughs> Right. right, like hers was like, hey, Lauren, like we're going to go slow. My parents would turn on music and, and it was like very soft. Mm -hmm. Like if a feather hits the ground, I'm up on my feet before it even gets there. And I, But she's the opposite. And when we first were in a relationship, I'd be like, time to get up. And like she couldn't handle it. She's like, what is it? And I think like, why am I like that? And then I spent some time with my parents <laughs> this last couple of weeks. I'm like, oh, shit, this is like how this household was my yeah. whole life. And it's not good. Or, it's just how no, it was. Just how I it just is. didn't even notice it. I didn't notice that right. that's how it was. Like the news is up like all day long, playing all day long. I'm like, how can you listen to the news all day? I just don't want to be it's around so negativity. Right. Do you like, know like Home Alone when they're rushing to the airport? Yeah, like, that that's, is literally that's how, family. how he yeah. lived. His entire childhood is Home Alone rushing to the airport. But you don't notice home. You don't notice what is home to you till you're away from it and then come back to it. And so it's super interesting, especially during this particular time when a lot of people are spending extra time with parents that they hadn't spent in, you know, with their adult parents. Wait. 
when they're adults. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> um, and it's really cool because it shows you and becoming a parent. This is a huge part of becoming a parent. In fact, the third biggest growth spurt in brain development is when you become a parent. The first is in those first three years, then it's adolescence, and then it's becoming a parent. And it's because there's so much at stake. You're paying attention to things you hadn't been paying attention to. That act of caregiving just opens up your mind. And part of that is coming back to your history and coming to terms with who you are. So maybe that's what it is. Not because I'm in my 30s because I just had a child and I'm reflecting on it. It is. That is exactly what's happening. And it's so good to reflect on the experience of being parented in order to become the parent that you want to be. You just like trying to pick like, and I don't know, this is a hard thing to do. I think for all parents, like pick kind of what worked and then get rid of what didn't. I think that's how we evolve as a species, right? You sort of see like what I will give you credit too. We don't have the news on 24 seven. We never have the news. Not only do I not have the news, I canceled cable. I I got rid of all of it. The noise is not great. You do still slam the door though. And it's, it's, it's intense. (laughs) Well, in some ways I think like I, some ways I think like it serves me like, um, you know, even with your media, like I'm, I'm fast. I go, I have a lot of energy to do this type of thing. And I think in that way it serves me, but in other ways, maybe like, in my relationship, if I'm going too fast or I'm doing, or I'm making a child, <laughs> like I sne- I don't know what happened. I developed these dad sneezes ever since I had a child. I never sneezed this loud in my life. And it scares the hell out of the, 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 the baby. Kid. Starts oh my crying. God. Jeez. That is hysterical. Yeah. And it is so, dad sneezes are so Where did those loud. come from? I don't know. I sneezed it's like a like mouse before. Corny now it sounds jokes. Like- <laughs> corny dad jokes They're and sneezes. so loud. The baby cries. Oh, <laughs> She's very upset. <laughs> um, I would like to ask you what some issues and they don't even have to be issues, but just maybe pinpoint some things that you've noticed as a mother that have made you better at what you do. I think when I first started, I was like, well, this is exactly how it should be. And I know the right answer to everything. And the science tells us everything. So, you know, follow this map. And very quickly, I I want to, like, I kind of feel like I want to go back and apologize <laughs> to some of my clients from when I first started because Obviously, that's ridiculous. That was my you, my young brain mixed with my not being a parent brain that was trying to use textbooks to explain something that is far more complex than a textbook can allow for. Like the big thing that I've learned is that you need to be flexible about your ideas and know that you raise the child that you have, not the child that you think you're going to have or that you would like to have listen to the voice, you know, listen to your inner compass. It's not going to always be in line with what the experts say. And that's totally okay. How has parenting changed during COVID? You're like, what are, you, what are your clients yeah, doing? Right. Yeah, I'm the worst parent ever um, <laughs> during COVID. I would There's say- There's a lot of wine. <laughs> yeah. My, my kids are like now, I mean, they're 10 and 13, but they've made many jokes during this period of just like, should we put that on your website? <laughs> This is because my parenting is definitely more lax. I would say parents are relying a lot more on TV and media because they just need help and support. I think families are also getting to know each other a lot better, which is really a beautiful component of this. But also, I love, I think COVID is making parents say, like, I'm never going to be perfect, so forget it. I'm not going to try anymore. And that was a desperately necessary shift in the parenting culture. And I think now finally parents are like, yeah, I can't do all of this. So I'm going to let go of that. That was huge. And I, I think I experienced that too. I mean, I never thought I was going to be a perfect parent. That's a, that's the benefit of what I do is that I'm easy on myself. 
but With I think social that's media why. is it similar like do you find that you're seeing social media people are feeling less or more pressure I think it's a mix mostly it's people I think saying this is not going to be so perfect but there's still sprinklings of here are the 25 things that you need to do while your kid is staying at home or whatever, or here's the food that you need to make. But that's just, I'm so excited for kids who, look, there's some horrible things, obviously, horrible, horrible things about this. And there's going to be irreparable consequences for some people. And I don't even want to go into it because it's too intense to think about in this context. But for a lot of people, gratefully, this will probably be a time when they everybody backed off of them for kids, like where it stopped being so intense because parents just couldn't do it anymore and they couldn't over schedule them and they couldn't um, leave as much. And I think that's probably going to end up being an interest, I would say an interesting thing. And then also I think kids are becoming more independent because their parents are like, I'm not cleaning up after you anymore. I'm not doing the laundry anymore. Like, it seems like there's going to be a shift with this. Yeah. It's, it feels like our world is in a shift. And I do feel like with social media right now, it was like the picture perfect curated, you know, mommy blogger. And now it's changing into a little bit more yeah. real. Yeah. Um, I hope like just as, you know, doing what I do, that people stop drop like dropping into people's inbox and giving unsolicited advice. I mean, yes, I certainly hope that that I can't even believe people still do that. I'm I'm sort of surprised that you just told me about the blue line on the diaper. I but I think that if you call it out immediately and you're like, yo, not not the person to to give unsolicited advice to, they stop. It's sort of when you open yourself up to criticism, you have to sort of create a boundary too. Like you're talking about boundaries in the beginning. Yeah. Like you need a boundary for yourself as well. Yeah. Um and and I don't just mean as an influencer or a blogger or a podcaster. I mean even in a mom group. I mean, I've seen mom shaming in I'm not in a mom group, but my girlfriend is. And she was telling me crazy stories. There's like twelve of them in this mom group. And the story she was telling me, I'm like, how is this how is this productive? Well, I think about like Parenting advice, you know, if it's unsolicited, it's very difficult because it's the one area where like you don't know the value system, you don't know what's going on home, you don't know the financial circumstances, you don't know all the dynamics. It's like it's one of the hardest areas. Like I always joke and say, like you know, imagine if you were eating dinner in a restaurant and like you started, you had some big dessert at the end, and I just walked up to your table and said, you know, you really shouldn't be eating that. People would look at me like I was a psychopath. Completely. But that's to me like what sliding into someone's DMs or just giving them unsolicited parenting. It's like you would if you did that in the context I said, people would look like what a nut like. This person just walked up to your table and told you what to eat. But it's the same thing with parenting. Like you yeah. don't know what those circumstances are and you shouldn't do it to people, in my opinion. No, of course not. You also don't know what you're bringing up for someone else. Like what get, that's a really sensitive place. That is a place that gets to people in their gut, like deep inside of them. And so a flippant remark or some little small moment of judgment can be quite painful or just make someone second guess themselves. And as a parent, as you guys know, because you're new parents, that feeling is just brutal and you you can't operate under those conditions. 
I think if in 2020 you're dropping into someone's DMs to say anything negative, I don't care if they have a thousand followers, one follower, or whatever, you need to examine where you're putting your energy. Yeah, it's well, a waste of energy. A huge waste of energy. <laughs> it's like there's so many more productive things that you could be doing. Yeah, that always makes me, you know, step back and pause and feel sad for whomever is feeling the need to go around and do that because you think what kind of parenting they experience that they need to go and find people to get in there and feel like they're defending the honor of that particular baby who whose diaper wasn't changed that minute. At six months, obviously we have Zaza now, is there anything that we can be doing for her that you think is really valuable? For instance, is there a book that we should be reading to her or music that we should be playing, like anything specific? Well, one thing that's really great during this time is that she's going to develop over the next couple of months this idea of object permanence, which is that things and people that go away are still, like they still exist. And she didn't know that before. So for example, if you cut, which bear with me, because this will be meaningful, <laughs> but like if there was something that she was looking at and you covered it with a diaper cloth, up until now and maybe another month or so, you'll be able to tell you can play around with it she would just move on. Like she wouldn't look under the diaper cloth for the object. She was like, let's say you covered your phone. She'd be like, I guess the phone's gone and move on to something else. And then one day, you know, like a flip switches and she's like going to know, oh, you hid it under the diaper cloth. And she will pick that diaper cloth up. And that moment is when she will also start to cry when you leave the room. And she will realize like people go away and they come back. Things go away and they come back. And so you play peekaboo with them and they think it's so funny because you're saying like, I'm gone, I'm back. Or Jack in the Box or any of those things that, you know, that surprise you. That's all to strengthen the idea of object and person permanence. And it coincides with separation anxiety. So if you notice that she's like a little more clingy, you want to keep practicing like, I'm going to the bathroom and then I come back. Like you say goodbye. So a really important thing to do other than those peekaboo games is to always tell her when you're leaving, even if it's like, I'm just going to go to the bathroom or I'm just going to get my coffee. And you just say, Zaza, mommy's going to get her coffee. And then when you come back, you say, I'm back with my coffee. And she learns, oh, you go away and you come back. So I don't have to worry that you're not going to tell me when you leave. And that those kids separate better because they get practice. I have a family member that had horrible separation anxiety um, from a young age, like really, really, really bad. What do you see are some things that people can do if they're adults and they experienced separation anxiety when they were little? Well, it's that same idea of like, you know, the thing with separation anxiety, and this is temperament too. Like some kids are just, they can't, they come out like that. And then as parents, you can do your best, but you're not going to remove all of that. If a kid has to wonder, like the, like if you lived in a world where your parents snuck out, let's say they got a babysitter and they didn't tell you they were leaving because they thought- exactly what happened. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so it's very common and, or like the in-laws and they're like, just go, she's fine. And so you sneak out because you don't want to deal with an upset kid in that moment. Over time, the kid is like, are you coming back? Are you going to leave? Are you going to leave? And so they keep on looking for you. If instead you always, as an adult, think, I'm going to tell you, or let's say you were in, in a part, if you have a partner and you say to them, listen, I have this weird separation thing because I never knew if somebody was coming or going in my life. And so it really means more to me if you are really honest with me look, I'm not going to be on my phone for the next few hours. And you can build trust up 
over time. So you don't have to, you know, because adults don't need to take care of each other in the same way. But it comes from that place. It, 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 it's, it's so primal. It's like from that early, those early months when somebody said, like, just sneak out and they're going to be fine because you didn't want to see a kid uncomfortable or unhappy. And so you didn't give them the skill to deal with it. It's almost kind of selfish of the parent because they don't want to deal with it. It is done out of love and it's totally not intentionally selfish usually, but it is. It sounds like a, like a, a lot of what you do, and correct me if I'm wrong, is maybe teaching parents to not take short-term results at the expense of long-term things, right? Like, you know, you said the intention's in the right place. You're leaving, trying to sneak out so you don't have to upset the child. But yeah. you're, what you're doing is you're maybe creating a long-term effect of that child constantly being anxious and feeling like yeah. they're going to be abandoned at any time. I really haven't thought about it like that, but yes. Because, well, it's hard for parents because you don't want to, like you said, you don't want to see your kid upset, but you don't realize maybe. One question I know we're running up on time, but I I think about it. It's probably not a single answer. It's probably a fully loaded answer. Maybe we can't answer it fully here. But I think a lot about how do you teach a child to be confident and independent over time while also still realizing that they can lean on parents and friends and family, but while also wanting to instill, because we get this question a lot from adults here is like, how do you find, how do you become a confident person? How do you become independent? And I think from a developmental stage, like how do you start to teach a child to be confident and independent while also making them not lose sight that they have their parents to lean on? It's a little counterintuitive, but the more you give emotional support to young children so that they know you've got them, you're the rock, and they can go out and explore. And when they turn around, you're still going to be there. They'll start to go further and further away from you. And that's a healthy thing. And then they'll turn around and they'll go, oh, you're still there. And they'll check in with you. But they won't feel like you don't believe in them because you're not grabbing them and saying, no, 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 don't go do that. Don't explore. And so the act of being present and and available to them emotionally, but believing in them that they can do things on their own is going to fuel a kid who ends up being confident. And so let's say they want to eat, they want to put their food in their mouth, but you really don't like a messy face. And so you take the spoon from them and you force feed them because you just want to control the amount of food they're eating. And it's like all those tiny little things. You're saying that little message there is like, I can do this better than you. And that's not the message. The message is I'm here to make sure that when you are feeding yourself, if you drop your spoon or if your fork goes in the wrong place, like I'll help you figure it out, but I'm not doing everything for you. And so as babies get older, as they become toddlers, you want to teach them to do it themselves, but not because you're like, see ya, just because you're like, I'm going to sit here and support you sorting this out. And you basically want to teach them do things that you can do like never do things for a kid that they can do for themselves, including when they are old enough to hold the bottle for themselves, let them hold the bottle, but then help them do things that are a little out of their reach. And, and then for them, the things that you do for them are the things that they can't do for themselves. And so if you always do those three things, you're going to help them become autonomous kids who know that they are capable and confidence comes from being capable Like you don't become confident because somebody says you're amazing. You become confident because you become competent and you know you're amazing. That is so good. I think that I do have to shout out my parents because I think they did a really good job of of not judging anything that I brought to them. Like I could come to them and say I want to, you know, be this and it would be so random and something that 
maybe had nothing to do with college and they would say, well, go do it, go figure it out. And I think that I hope that we can do that with Zaza. I think that it's hard when you're a kid and you go to your parent and you say, I want to do this. And they say, no, you need to be a doctor. Yeah. No, you need to go to law school. I never want to put boxes or boundaries on my child. Yeah. Um, what is a book, a resource, a podcast besides yours, of ah. course, Raising Good Humans, you would recommend to our audience that can really um, sort of set the tone of parenthood? I love Dan Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson's book, The Power of Showing Up. Mm. It's a really good Never one. Heard of that one. It just came out in January and it gives a beautiful overview of all the things that you know, we're talking about mm -hmm. of, of attachment and relationship and the things that you can do to to help a child become confident and secure in the world. And so I think it gives a great foundation for how to deal with emotions and and boundaries. Okay. Well, listen, I, I mean, I'm, I'm really glad we got, we could talk for hours and hours. I have so many questions, but I mean, you know, you have your podcast, where can everyone find it and listen to it? I mean, you cover so many of these subjects. I, I think it's such a timely podcast because there's so many people that are parenting, I think more at an extreme level. Now we don't have the luxury of a lot of kids going to school and people yeah. are really trying to dive in. Like, how do I do a better job? Us included. So what can they, what can they hear on your, on your show? What can they expect? Where can they, and how, you know, um, how often does it go out? Um, so so raising good humans. Is, I know all this, by the way. But I, I just know you, you do. I, just I was like, but me. I think you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's once a week, every Friday. Um, the idea behind that, in my mind, was like, well, you can listen to it over the weekend. But I think the weekends are lost now. Every day is just a conf it's confusing. Every what day, day is the weekend long, is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm trying to keep the topics relevant to what we're all going through right now, but also evergreen in the sense that we're going to need to know how to to get through all of this regardless of whether or not there's a pandemic, um, we are going to be raising kids and developing relationships with kids throughout, hopefully, our whole lives. Um, so that's every week. And I have mom groups. And I don't know how you find me. I Instagram? guess that's it. Instagram, Raising Good Humans podcast. Perfect. Thank you. I know I'm going to listen and I'm going to get the power of showing up. That sounds like a great book. I had Dan Siegel on actually talking about it. Um, and I will send you that episode because I think it was a good foundation. Aren't you okay. glad you did the podcast? It's fun, huh? Yes. Oh my God. You know what? Thank you. I really wow. thank you for the opportunity because I don't even know, I didn't even think about how powerful podcasting can be to getting information to to communities and parents and getting feedback. Like I feel like through Instagram, through the podcast listeners, I have relationships with people and can be supportive in a way that I never could be in in you know just my day-to-day -day job i it's think it's wild. one of the most powerful me i mean because you're in someone's ear they have a chance to really like sit down for a long period of time and digest you know like all these today shows and the way that we consume media before it's like you get this five minute bite yeah. buttoned up between all these other segments and these commercials you can't really get deep with someone here it's like you can actually like you can go for an hour two hours and like really educate people or have a conversation let people partake and i just think like audio is so even more than video in my opinion like you really have to pay attention video you can kind of zone out books you zone out like audio you're really like listening to what people say so thank you so much for thank coming you. on you're incredible thank you for having me i'm excited for your new baby and also <laughs> we're gonna go on your podcast right now and do a swap so head over there and also listen to the dan siegel episode it sounds like and listen to ours on yes. your podcast thanks for coming on thank you thank you to win a cute, sparkly, adorable pop socket and some new 
cheeky, flirty, skinny, confidential stickers that you can decorate your hydro flask with. Simply tell us your favorite part of this episode on my latest Instagram at the skinny confidential and someone from the team will slide into your inbox and get your address. I hope you guys loved this episode and we will see you on Friday. This episode was brought to you by Thrive Market, our favorite one-stop shop for all things grocery, household supplies, pet food, beauty, supplements. They've got it all and even wine now. Wine. Thrive Wine. Guys, to try Thrive, go to thrivemarket.com skinny to find a membership that fits your lifestyle. Again, that's thrivemarket.com skinny to find a membership that fits your lifestyle. Everything is 25 to 50% below retail straight to your door thrivemarket.com slash skinny